0: Hey, welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Tyler Orton, and this podcast is brought to you by Manning, Elliott accountants and business advisors, and joining me today is my colleague here at Business in Vancouver newspaper, Patrick it, Patrick Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Whitecaps, the season just began with a win. With a win. They won. I was kind of
1: surprised. I don't know if this is going to be their best season so far. Yeah. I've been trying to follow a little bit about the MLS, and yeah, I think you never know. Okay. they're definitely a contender. They're not the Canucks, that's for sure. They're not in a rebuild phase. I don't mean to go there right away. You're
0: saying the the rebuild word, which uh, oh yeah, re- I, I the think Canucks. the Canucks
1: have embraced rebuild or maybe re- tear down. Were they using tear down? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. This could be. I mean. You never know what's going to happen on the field, but off the field, I think this is this is going to be a pretty incredible year for the Whitecaps. Well, let's talk about the off yeah. the
0: field stuff, specifically in how it's going to impact, say, the downtown scene in Vancouver. You are writing about this yeah. in the most recent edition of the newspaper out this week. And it's cool because we're actually seeing like year over year uh, places like uh, Central City on Beattie Street. They're seeing yeah. growth every single year just surrounding these Whitecaps games. Tell me a little bit about... Why this is, like, why are people just getting more interested in what's going on over at BC Place uh, around this time of year?
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting couple of years for, I want to say, BC Place in general. I mean, they had that sort of multi-million dollar renovation that finally went through. I mean, before that, I don't... I don't want to get too negative and say that it seemed like BC Place was kind of dead in the water, and there was there's sort of inklings of tearing it down, and it was not up structurally to earthquake standards. Do you remember when the bubble popped? The bubble? Oh yeah, there's the bubble. Yeah, that yeah, wasn't a great yeah. uh,
0: time for BC Place. Yeah, either, but
1: uh... but now like the the Whitecaps have like, and obviously the BC Place has done well with you know the rugby sevens and a lot of concerts coming through there. But the Whitecaps have kind of given BC Place, like, a real fresh face. And I think what's happened is that um, having an MLS franchise has been absolutely amazing for Vancouver. And it's been amazing for the restaurant and pub scene because soccer fans are notorious alcoholics. And wow. not no, wow. want to just say that. But <laughs> okay, that's a but, bad... They're craft beer enthusiasts. Craft and beer And they're enthusiasts. also foodies. Yeah. And we've seen sort of the demographic studies with MLS. And they like to eat... Before the meal, they like to have drinks after the meal. Sure. And BC Place is right in the heart of downtown. So I talked to Dustin Sepp. He's the marketing manager of Central City. And just the proximity there, I mean, it's literally like a a two-minute walk from Central City to BC Place. So they've got that going for them. But he said that basically... Before and after every game, they're just flooded with Whitecaps fans, and they're coming in like three or four hours before the game. They're drinking, they're you know running up a full tab, and then after the game, they're they're coming back. So um, this is great. Not to say that the I don't want to poo poo the other two franchises to say that the Lions don't generate this type of activity and the Canucks don't, but I want to say you go to Canucks game, you go to the Canucks game, and you eat and drink there, right? And the Lions is kind of maybe a different crowd. I want to say it's it's uh, It's, you you got a lot of people coming on the SkyTrain, yeah. So yeah, no, I think that's accurate. Yeah, and I
0: think maybe it's uh, maybe what the MLS is doing is cultivating like a younger crowd, a more Vancouver-centric crowd as well. And so I think maybe just from a practicality standpoint, it's easier to grab a beer before the game, Mm -hmm. have a couple while you're there and you're sticking around you're only what five ten minutes away from uh your home you can uh, have another there whereas if you're trekking all the way out to the suburbs maybe that's a little bit more difficult if you're with your family as well i don't know if you want to take your kids out to the bar after a football game yeah you know and i think also maybe just the time of day that these games start i mean they um it's pretty dark out when the lions uh finish off uh and evening games. So, you know, there's different factors going into these different franchises. So.
1: Yeah. And I think having talked to a couple of the pubs and the breweries around is that I, I don't know what the demographics are for downtown, but I used to live downtown for, you know, a couple of five or six years. I lived in Yaletown. I lived in the West End. It's predominantly young people. I mean, it's a lot of younger millennials. Uh, I want to say yuppies who can afford to live downtown. I mean, you've got SAP, Right in Yale Town, which has I don't know how many employees, and they all tend to live around the area. So I think what's happening is that they've kind of sort of de facto embraced the Whitecaps as their team. It's cheaper, uh, it appeals. Soccer's cool, you know, it's kind of this global sport. Um, you feel as if you're connected sort of the, to the European championships, you're cultural, you know, who Neymar is, all that type of stuff. And I think they're just gravitating towards it because it's kind of like a right place at the right time. You've got a young sort of tech crowd. they got a little bit of expendable cash, which is kind of a weird thing in Vancouver. And they're they're just gravitating towards soccer and they're gravitating towards the Whitecaps. And they're also gravitating towards a variety of different sort of culinary options. I was talking to Ian Tosteson, um about basically he was saying that you know, if you were to sort of study this, you'd see maybe a lot of Asian fusion, a lot of faux places getting a bump on white caps days. I, I don't think you'd see that with the BC Lions. I don't think you'd see a lot of BC Lions fans, you know, grabbing sushi before the game, right? So, that plays in it's all
0: protein. Why not? It's all pro- yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: but that plays into downtown Vancouver. I was looking at the uh at sort of the rankings of how many types of restaurants there are. There's like about 600 restaurants in downtown Vancouver, and the vast majority of them are obviously you know cafes and coffee shops. But second is is Asian and Asian fusion. So that kind of plays into that sort of cultural scene. You know, soccer's. Uh, grown a lot in asian cultures grown a lot in japan south korea and even china so it's like this perfect storm coming together and this could probably this will most definitely be the white caps most sort of economically beneficial season off the field i mean they were i think they're fourth or fifth in ticket sales in the entire mls so or no sorry seventh um so they they outsell a lot of much bigger franchises right. so um, yeah, this this could be, and then hopefully if everything comes together perfectly, uh, the Whitecaps do good on the field and then everybody's happy and maybe they, I'll we finally get the bandwagon. Yeah, yeah, maybe we finally get a championship in the city. We, don't, Even if, don't, don't go tease there. Us. Don't not tease <laughs> us. Don't go there. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, uh, Patrick,
0: why don't you stick around? We're going to take a little bit of a, bit of a break and then come back and we're talking all about robots and some pretty cool innovations coming out of Metro Vancouver. But first. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600, at 604-714-3600, or else check them out on their website at manningelliot.ca so Patrick I, I don't venture out to Langley too often except my parents who live there but yeah. uh, there are some cool innovations coming out of a company known as Genesis Robotics this is a, a bit of a R&D sort of spin out company from another one based here in Metro Vancouver they've raised I think like $29 million in venture wow. capital uh, or I should say $28 million in venture capital and what they're essentially doing is working on these things they call live drive actuators now actuators are essentially the muscles of the robots these are the things that make it move up and down Mm -hmm. and they've been able to develop them they're much lighter weight. they're much stronger they have like kind of this uh, resistance uh, in them that the typical bulky things that we typically associate with robot actuators just don't possess so Mm -hmm. um, it actually makes it safe for Close human contact versus what you see in like those factories, those assembly lines, where those look like frightening beasts. There, right? Yeah,
1: it reminds me of that alien movie where it's basically that massive exoskeleton just sort of ripping around and. Yeah, yeah the
0: Sigourney yeah. Weaver she defeats the <sighs> queen alien uh, using that. So, uh, but guess what? They're actually developing you know ex- exoskeletons, or at least they're pat- pat- patenting um these uh exoskeletons that can Mm. be used with these actuators and so what they are searching for and it's a unique model but like this commercialization partner that they'll hook up with this r&d company will hook up with a commercialization partner they don't want to go down the licensing route yeah but essentially it is fascinating because we hear a lot about say how hot the tech scene is in vancouver I think it's worth venturing out to maybe uh, the suburbs every so often. But the other thing is it's not just digital startups that are doing well. Um, but I think they, we do want to see, I guess, more advances coming from more of the practical sides of things here with regards to just the potential for these actuators and robotics Uh, It's not just exoskeletons. It's, like I said, assembly lines, even like autonomous cars. There's going to be this ability for car wheels to simply turn much more easy and being controlled Hmm. by computers using these actuators. So there's a lot of cool applications for these
1: robotics that uh, we're seeing, you know, develop locally here. Well, you're talking about the actuator. So is it, is it essentially trying to mimic a muscle more so? No, like not a- so much like I use muscle more like a, a metaphor, yeah, but yeah. It,
0: it's essentially the part of the robot that may allows it to move, you know, um, side to side, up and down. It's kind of uh, like the joints, uh, yeah, yeah. so to speak. So if you can make these actuators that are super lightweight and uh, have far fewer parts, much simpler, Mm -hmm. then you're able to to reduce the cost of the actuators and reduce the cost of the robots themselves, Mm -hmm. and then also just make them safer to operate near humans. One of the other applications that they're using them for is just for assisted living for elderly people. Mm -hmm. Why not have a robot that can lift you out of bed or help you put you down into, say, a tub? Or even just one that can help carry your groceries for you. Um, and, and this is not like one of those um, anthropomorphized robots, so to speak, yeah, yeah. that would be carrying your groceries, but something like uh, more like a, um, a a walking sort of a dog that would, uh, again, just a metaphor here, but like <laughs> uh, you could like just more kind of a basket that would be able to help you yeah, out yeah. in a grocery store if you are, you know, a week. So um, very cool applications. And I, I'm looking forward to following up with this company in the next year, mm-hmm. especially once they do ramp up the commercialization aspect of, you know, the innovations that are coming out of here. The fact that they've raised so much money, though. Yeah, it, $20 million. That's that's exceptional. Nothing to that's, sneeze at no, here. Yeah. Uh, especially when uh, you, you just look at what uh, I, I often will get like press releases saying, yeah, we've raised... Uh, $500,000, you know, for our <laughs> digital, uh, you know, startup. And it's yeah. like and not, again, it, not it's, good, it's not yeah. bad, yeah. but uh, you definitely see the money being poured into this, which they really, what it really signals, though, is how much ROI they are expecting to get yeah. on something like this uh, going down. So once commercialization ramps up, it's going to be fascinating to follow up with this.
1: I think a, like having done a few stories on sort of exoskeleton technology and sort of medical tech that wants to sort of mimic or maybe help and aid in mobility is that that is the issue right now is getting over that hump of trying to get a robot to move more like a human. Yes. I mean, you think of the robot dance. I mean, that's a, there's a good analogy right there is that it's very rigid. You're moving on 90 degree angles. And so having done these stories over the year, that the thing that I always come back to, you know, I remember the last one about an SFU venture and he talked about we can't get a robot to mimic the way a hip moves because the hip is just such a complex joint. Mm-hmm. You think about, you know, your shoulder and your rotator cuff. So I mean, this, I can see where they're pouring money into this because this is sort of, it seems like the next step is getting robots to be more flexible and more fluid and not have that rigidity to them. Right. A
0: lot of it is coming down to say ai and just yeah. how they're able to figure out the algorithms figure out the models that are going to make them even more advanced um I, I saw a video recently that they're showing how robots moved just three maybe even two years ago and yeah. just how rigid they were how they couldn't even open a doors and then they were showing uh, videos of what they've been able to do just robots in the last six months or so and it's frightening they're literally doing backflips you know they are running upstairs they're ru- literally running yeah. as-, as well so I'm just like okay well where are we going to be in, let's
1: say, five years when it comes to so advanced Nick Bostrom Singularity? We're getting into that. Oh. Talk. oh, here we go. Yeah, how long before they're implanted in our brains and all that stuff? But it's almost going to be sooner than I think a lot of people, think. yeah. It's and fi- it's not really, yeah. really
0: like science fiction so much anymore. It's getting closer and closer to that. So, yeah, I
1: think you make a really good point is that this technology is growing in leaps and bounds. I think we think of it growing incrementally, but you have to think of Also things, the fact that we're starting to share technology a lot more on a globalized scale. So you have, you know, countries like Israel who are doing really good in medical tech, sharing with Surrey and stuff like this. So there's this sort of uh, conjoined effort that's picking up steam where, you know, MIT is is working with the Chinese firm and stuff like this. Right. So. This conglomerate sort of technological advancement, yeah, it's going to push us really quickly into a new age. So, Well,
0: why don't we leave it there? Because I think one of the last things you said is, uh, Tyler, you had a really good point. And so I love (laughs) leaving it on a positive note like that. I like it. So um, I want to remind everyone, this podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. You can find my stories and Patrick's stories at BIV.com. Patrick, he is not on social media. (laughs) But you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. And please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Leave a review that helps even more people find the podcast. Until next time, this was the Business in Vancouver podcast.